0: Log Talk Radio. Hallelujah! In every situation, we proclaim the word of Jesus. You're listening to Reaching Out Radio International tonight on In the Word with Sister Pearl Broadcast. I'm your sister Pearl, and I am so blessed of the Lord, highly favored to be able to share with you his precious promises from his word. What a great privilege it is for me to have. And I just want to welcome you. If this happens to be the very first time you are listening in, uh, I want to welcome you in the name that's above and higher than any other name. That's the name of Jesus. Praise God. Whether you're listening uh, from the great continent of Africa or Asia, I just want to bless you. If you're listening from Europe, or South America, North America, I want to bless you. If you happen to be listening from the Oceania, um, I want to bless you. That would be Australia and all the other wonderful nations that are included in the continent of Oceania. God bless you. We welcome you, and we just pray that you're going to be strengthened and encouraged by listening to the word tonight. If you've been listening for the past few weeks, you know, that we've been talking about the kingdom of God and how we are to demonstrate God's kingdom as his followers. This is particularly and only speaking to those who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we are to be kingdom-minded, not worldly-minded. And we've been talking about how that we are involved in a war. It is not a physical war that um, it's typical to the wars that the world, you know, is constantly engaged in. But this is a spiritual battle, not a, a physical battle. And I've been talking about, I started off last Sunday night talking about the weapons of our warfare. And the first weapon I spoke about was the the great weapon of praise. And we talked about send Judah first. Send Judah first. That's the first weapon that we should be using in our arsenal against the enemy, the weapon of praise. It is a great thing to praise God for all of his goodness to us. And it is something that the enemy hates. Our enemy hates when we praise God. Tonight, by his grace, I'm going to share a second weapon. Very, very powerful weapon. God's holy word is, that's the title of tonight's message, God's word is a weapon. I'm getting that. We're going to base this off of the book of Hebrews, chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and, to, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Wow. The word of God is a weapon. Before I get into the word tonight, as I always do, I like to just pray and dedicate this portion of time to God, asking him to... Uh, endow me with his anointing and his presence that I might just speak what he wants me to share with you and that you, the listening audience from around the globe, that you will just attune your ears, attune your heart, attune your spirit, attune your mind uh, to just be still right now and listen to what the spirit of God would have for you this evening. Let's just go to the Lord in the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful and humbled to be your daughter. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blessings. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. And truly, your word is alive. Your word is exactly what the writer of Hebrews said. Your word is living. Your word is powerful. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And, Lord, I pray that you would just anoint me from above. Anoint me, Lord God, so that I might not speak my own words, but I might speak the words that you would want me to say to the men, to the women, to the young boys, the young girls, the middle-aged people, the teens, the elderly uh, listeners, to everyone who's listening Uh, Lord God, even if they're first language, I pray that somehow that you would use my words that are going to be coming out in English, and somehow, Lord God, you would allow them to understand in their own mother tongue. Anoint this word. This is so important that we grasp the meaning, even in, in just a limited understanding tonight just we would grasp how we can use your word in battle and as a weapon against the enemy. We pray against all distraction. We pray against everything that would hinder us and would uh, try to keep us from understanding and from hearing clearly your word, Lord God. Help us to just focus now and zero in. We rebuke the devourer on every hand and side and we ask you for freedom to speak clearly. Let my words just flow from your heart, Lord God. Thank you that I don't need to add anything to your word. Your word is already anointed. But just I'm asking for you to anoint the one that will deliver your word, oh God. Uh, defeat the enemy and the lives of the people in my own life, Lord God. Raise a standard and let your word go through clearly without impediment. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. And so, again, I'm going to read from Hebrews, the fourth chapter and the twelfth verse. For the word of God is living, it's powerful, sharper, wow, than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Again, That was from Hebrews, the fourth chapter in the New Testament and the 12th verse. Perhaps the greatest distinction between the Protestant church, I'm an evangelical believer, I'm a Protestant believer. I am not a Roman Catholic. But I want to explain that perhaps the greatest distinction between the Protestant church and the Roman Catholic church is the evangelical's respect and high honor for the word of God. As a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, I must check everything and everyone, myself first, by God's word. I am taught in the word of God, specifically in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 8, and it reads like this. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let Him be accursed! Wow, and who said this? This is the Apostle Paul that spoke to the church at Galatia, and we know that all of the Word of God is good for us. So the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul taught very clearly that we're not to go by anyone supposed having a dream, or visitation, or vision from an angel or anyone who has died, or even one who is living, coming to us with anything that is contrary. That means that if if they're saying something that goes against what is clearly explained in the Gospels, in the Word of God, if they're coming to us with anything that's contrary to what was taught by Christ and his apostles in the Holy Bible Think about the cults that are in existence today. They all began with their leader getting a supposed new revelation from God, very different from what the Bible teaches. Again, the, Paul the Apostle explicitly warned us that if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, then the gospel Christ, and he and the other apostles preached, we should consider the individual teaching something contrary, accursed. What exactly does accursed mean? It means the individual is under a curse. God is not pleased with such a person. They are condemned and detestable to God. Their only way to escape such damnation would be to openly repent before God and the people who they have deceived into thinking that their way, which is contrary to God's way, is wrong. That's the only way that a cursed person can come from under the curse and be set free from that curse. They would need to, whatever they've been publicly saying that's contradictory to the word of God, then they need to publicly renounce that. That's very clear, in order for them to get forgiveness. God's word is so much respected by even God himself. He says in Psalm 138, I love this verse. This, you can take this from here to heaven. This is so good. God's word is so much respected by even God himself that he says in Psalm 138, Verse 2, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above your name. Wow. The psalmist said that God has magnified his word even above his name. And now we revere the name of Jesus. We revere the name of Yahweh. We revere the name of God, the only true and living God. But we read in Psalm 138, verse 2, that God has magnified his word above his name even. Imagine that. God being the almighty creator of heaven and earth, the only true God, honors his holy word even higher Than his name Let that sink in So how should you and I treat His holy word then I believe we need to treat the word of God With the greatest reverence And respect Remember what Jesus said In the gospel of John chapter 1 verse 1 In the beginning was the word And the word was with God And the word was God. And then in John chapter 1, verse 14, he explains even further. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I just read from John chapter 1, verse 14. So we are not saying that the physical book you read, known as the Holy Bible, is God. No, what he said is that he is the word who was made flesh, and this flesh lived among mere human man. In the person of God's only begotten son, the Lord Jesus, our Messiah. We cannot claim to honor Christ and disrespect his word at the same time. That is just not reality. The word of God is one of our strongest weapons. Okay, so we're talking tonight specifically. Listen, we have the word of God for so many good things. The word of God brings us comfort. The word of God challenges us. When we are in sin, it rebukes us. It shows us the dirt and the filth that we're engaged in. It is like a mirror to us when we look at the word of God. But the word of God reminds us how much we are loved, how much Jesus cares for us, how he reveals himself to us through his word. The word of God is a guide to us. It is a roadmap to us. It is a teacher to us. It is a counselor to us. It is an advocate for us. The word of God gets us in line when we're going astray. The word of God is so many wonderful, wonderful, wonderful things. But tonight, Sister Pearl is specifically zeroing in on the fact that the word of God is a weapon what I'm going to focus in on this evening. The Word of God is one of our strongest weapons in the believer's arsenal to defeat the devil and his worldly kingdom every time, every time. Wow. Christ, being our Lord and commander in chief, gives us a tremendous demonstration of this in the way he dealt with Satan in Matthew 4, when he was being tempted by the enemy in the wilderness. Let's take a closer look at this now. I'm going to read to you the entire passage of Scripture. It's from Matthew chapter 4, and I'm reading that portion of Scripture. I'm going to go all the way down to verse 11 so i'm reading from matthew 4 verses 1 through 11 then jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward he was hungry now when the tempter came to him he said if you are the son of god command that these stones become bread but he answered and said it is written Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Then the devil took him up a exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. For it is written, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall thou serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Notice that the first tactic of the enemy was to challenge God's identity. He has the audacity to actually give God a directive. A challenge that the devil put To God If you are the son of God The devil knew that Jesus was the son of God Remember that Satan Is the chief of the fallen Angels kicked out of heaven And he most certainly knew Who Jesus was There was no doubt In the devil's mind as to who Jesus was but this is What he does This is the tactic of the enemy. This is the tactic of the enemy even now, even in 2023. The devil is trying to challenge your identity. Who are you? The devil is trying to challenge my identity. Who are you, Pearl? Who are you really? I know who I am. I am a daughter of the Most High God. Jesus, he knew that the devil knew who he was. What the devil does, he will always sidetrack us from the main issue, knowing who we really are. Because if we know who we really are, we're going to put him in his place in the name of Jesus. What the devil was attempting to do was try to sidetrack Jesus and fool the Lord himself into obeying the devil. This is precisely what the enemy does to you and to me. He attempts to fool us and get us to forget who we are and try to ensnare us to obey him instead of following God and obeying him consider when the enemy approaches Jesus when he believes that he alone he is alone and physically weak from 40 days of fasting this is yet another typical tactic of the devil he tries to make his assault when he thinks you and I are at our very weakest of course that's when he's going to try His best to get us turned around, to try to fool us, forget who we are. wants is for us to obey him. However, I'm using Matthew chapter 4, these verses 1 through 11, to show you how Jesus dealt with the enemy. And Jesus is our leader. Jesus is our Messiah. Jesus is our master. Jesus is our high priest. Jesus is our king of kings. Jesus is the one that we're following. Jesus is the one that believers in Christ are submitted to. So let's look at Jesus' example. I think that's the best way that we can see how we should respond to the devil by looking at how Jesus responded. And first of all, I just want to tell you before we even get into the teaching of this, the Bible tells us clearly, because you and I are going to go through times of temptation. That is without a doubt. But the Bible tells us, chapter 4 of Matthew, verse 1, That this was not the devil who led Jesus into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit who led Jesus into the wilderness. And why? The Spirit of God leading Jesus into the wilderness. The Bible tells us that too. Let me read it again. Verse 1 of chapter 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit. This is a capital S, meaning the Holy Spirit. So he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So we see two things. Number one, that it was the Spirit of God who led Jesus into the wilderness. And for what reason? To be tempted by the devil. So we know that the Spirit of God was not the one tempting Jesus, but that Jesus would be tempted by the devil. And if you look very carefully, I know some of you are new in the things of God. Others are more experienced and have been studying the Word of God longer. You will know that Jesus did not perform any of his miracles until after his wilderness experience, where he was tempted by the devil. And it was after he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And I'm not saying that you should fast 40 days and 40 nights. That was God incarnate that came down and wrapped himself in human flesh that did that. Now, people have fasted. I fasted for many days. But I'm not saying that you should fast 40 days and 40 nights. You need to be led by the Spirit of God. And you're only led of the Spirit of God as you are surrendered Spirit of God. You cannot be living any kind of way, pleasing your flesh, and think all of a sudden that God's going to be leading you to do something. No, you have to be in a right relationship with God. That's another teaching. That's another story. If you've been listening to my messages over the past few years, then you would understand. But I just want to clarify that it was the Holy Spirit. So you can be led by the Holy Spirit into a wilderness experience. But just know that God has not left you in that wilderness experience. He is very much with you. His Spirit is not going to leave you because you went into a wilderness experience. He may allow you to be tempted by the devil, by his imps. Most times, it's not the devil who's really tempting you and me because we're like small fish for him to fry. Jesus was huge. That was God in in humanity. So the devil definitely wanted to spend time trying to see if he can get him turned around. Usually, it's not the devil himself that's trying to get us. It's his demonic imps. It's the lower fallen angels that he uses to try to get us turned around. But at the end of the day, they're working for their master, which is the devil. So that's how come we say it was the devil that did this or the devil that did the next thing. But but can you imagine that here goes Jesus. He's already in a very spiritual place where he is fasting 40 days and 40 nights. And of course, the Bible tells us he was hungry. So What is the first thing the devil does? He tries to get Jesus at the point where he knows he's the most vulnerable at that time. Because while Jesus on the earth, he was fully 100% God. But at the same time, he was fully, fully man. That means he had a body just like any man would. He had to go to the bathroom. He had to relieve himself. He had to eat. You know, he got hungry. He had to go to sleep. He had to get up. He had to walk. He had to bathe. He had to clothe himself, just like any human being that was on the earth at that time. And so the devil knew that, wow, I know he's hungry now because he's been fasting. He hasn't had any food for an entire 40 days, for zero. So he said, well, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Well, who does the devil think he is? How dare he tell Jesus what he should be doing? That is a lot of nerve. Notice that Jesus didn't try to convince the devil of who he was. Instead, he responded to what the devil told him to do, command that these stones become bread. First of all, Jesus does not take any commands from the devil. Listen up. You and I. Likewise should not be taking any commands from the devil the only commands we should be taking is from God God almighty I like how Jesus responded verse 4 tells us in Matthew 4 but he answered and said it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Wow. So Christ quoted the Holy Scriptures. And where did he quote from? He quoted directly from Deuteronomy, which is from the Old Testament, the fifth book in the Old Testament. And he quoted Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, where it is stated, So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manner which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that a man, here it goes, man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So when Satan or his imps challenge you, about who you are, number one, you don't need to defend who you are to the devil. Okay? That's the first lesson. Don't even think about trying to convince the devil of who you are. He knows who you are. If your life is surrendered to God, he knows that you're a child of God. If you're living for God, he knows that you love God, that you belong to God, that you're a king's kid. He knows that. So don't even answer that. Instead, when he tries to tell you what to do, you come back with the word of God. In this case, the devil told Jesus, you know, you need a command that these stones made break.
1: You don't
0: tell God what to do. And don't let the devil tell you what to do. So Jesus quotes the scripture. And so you and I, instead of using our own words and our own, you know, intellect, you know, our own will to respond to the devil, don't use your own words. Instead, use the words of the Lord. Use the, the words of the, uh, uh, that's found in the Bible. In this case, God quoted, Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Instead of the Lord Jesus trying to prove himself, he simply responded to him using the word of God. That's it. Now, one would think that the wicked one would cease taunting Christ, but instead he continues. See, the devil will not just come to you one time, and you think, okay, well, praise God, hallelujah, I was able to get victory in that occasion, so the devil's going to leave me alone now. Not necessarily. Gave the devil the right response, but the devil did not leave Jesus alone. He comes back to him again. One would think that he would have left it, but no, he comes back. And then he has the nerve, he gives the Lord another instruction. And now, look at how cunning and conniving and how tricky the devil is. The devil knew that Jesus used the word of God to defeat him. So now the devil is going to quote from Scripture. This devil is so tricky, so cunning, and he knows the word of God better than some of us. So he quotes, which should never be, but he does. He quotes from Psalm 91, 11 and 12, because he says, what does he tell God? Let, let's just look and see what he, tells, what he tells the Lord. The devil took him up into a holy him on a pinnacle of the temple and he said to him if you're the son of god throw yourself down for it is written he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone wow so now the nerve of the devil is going to now quote scripture to jesus because jesus quoted scripture him. This knowledge of God's precious word by the devil Is yet another clear indicator That he knew exactly who Jesus was When he said at the beginning of his dialogue with our Lord If you be the son of God Command these stones to be made bread The deceiver has tremendous gall To try and approach God In such a manner Now, if the devil would challenge Christ In such a way, how much more would he approach you, would he approach me, would he approach us to try and get us to do all kinds of sordid and ungodly things if we are that foolish to listen to him? What's the lesson that we can learn here? Don't engage the devil in conversation. He is not worth your time, nor is he worth your attention. How does Jesus deal with the devil this second time? Well, again for the second time in verse 7 of Matthew 4, by replying to the enemy, Jesus said to him, it is written, God doesn't give up because the devil quoted scripture. Jesus is going to come back and he's going to quote scripture again. That's what you and I should do. That's what I've got to do when the devil keeps Behind me, I've got to use the word of God as my weapon. So Jesus said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. He doesn't get into a long conversation with the devil, and you and I don't need to get into long discourse with the devil either. The scriptures of the Lord. Jesus recited is from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16, which states, you shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. However, the devil tried a third time to get the Lord tired of resisting him in the hopes that the Lord would finally give up and give in to his relentless evil tactics and tricks. Let's see what happens in this third time that the enemy attempts to deceive the master. Again, why are we looking at Matthew chapter 4 tonight? Because we're studying to see how Jesus handled the enemy, and Jesus is teaching us by example how we should deal when the enemy comes to tempt us. So verse 8 In Matthew 4, again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Once again, Jesus does not use his own words, but instead insists on using God's word to respond to the deceiver. He responds to the deceiver of all times, the devil. And in this case Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 13 stating you shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. It is of extreme importance. Listeners of reaching out radio international I'm speaking to you tonight or whenever you happen to be listening into this radio message it is, a, it is of extreme, it, of, it is of great importance that we take a deeper look at exactly what the devil is doing during his third attempt to get the Lord to obey him instead of doing the will of his heavenly father. The devil takes the Lord to a very high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of this world. Wow, but who was it who created the mountains and breathed breath into each person who occupies the kingdom of this world? It is certainly not the devil, but it is Christ. For we're told in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. It is the second clause of the enemy's discourse where we get to understand what the intentions of Satan truly are when he says to Christ, fall down, worship me. And there you have it. There you have it. This is what Satan wanted Christ to do, and it is exactly what he wants you and me to do. The devil wants you, the devil wants me to fall down and worship him. No matter what else or however he tries to disguise his scheme, his ultimate aim is to try and lure us into believing that worshiping him is better than honoring and worshiping God who created us. This is the ultimate deception and lie. This is why I chose Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, as our key verse in tonight's message. You and I are engaged in real, real war. It is not a physical war with tangible guns, explosives, tanks, or knives, but instead it is a spiritual war which must be engaged with spiritual weapons. We are not 100% certain as to who the author of Hebrews is, though whomever wrote it was clearly influenced by the Apostle Paul. That's if it wasn't the Apostle Paul himself. He could have written it, but we're not 100% sure. But whoever wrote it was clearly influenced by the Apostle Paul. So we still know that it was the Holy Spirit that inspired the writer to the Hebrew church where it is written, for the word of God is living, not dead, it's living, it's alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. Soul is different from our spirit. Sometimes people get that confused. I don't have the time to get into that tonight, but maybe in a mes- another message I may. But it is different. Our soul deals with more of our feelings. Our spirit deals with really the character we really are. It's not about feelings. And and the two-edged sword pierces between the division of soul and spirit, born again living after our dead spirit we're living after our spirit that's alive and been made alive in christ and that word of god pierces through the soul and spirit it can divide between the joint and the marrow it's a discerner of the thoughts and be very intense of our heart we might think that we're all of that and we're very good and we're very kind but then when we get into the word of god then the word of god reveals to us that no you're not all that good pearl no, you're not all that good. And then we begin to understand how much we need God. And, and we need the mirror of God's word to show us who we really are and what we really look like. We are to know God's holy word and learn how to use it for living while on the earth. The word of God, it is of far more value for us to know the word of God than it is to rehearse a line from a famous movie or book. A lot of Christians, especially in the Western world, they can quote to you better from a movie or a book than they can quote from the word of God. This is a shame. The words from the movie or book do not give life in the same way God's words give told us that in John chapter 6, verse 63. It is the spirit who gives life. This is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are Spirit. very possible for us to be able to use his holy word as an extremely powerful weapon. I'm going to teach you something tonight by the word of God. He instructs us and opens our eyes to see that his word is not something that we need to reach or pick up, but instead it is in our mouths to use at any time and all Use the word of God. He tells us this in even Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 14. But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. We need not look for a weapon or search for it. He's given us his word that can proceed. It can come out very easily from our mouth if we would only use it. Paul again repeats this theme. In his letter to the Roman Church in Romans chapter 10 and verse eight. But what does it say? Romans 10:8. "The word is near you, in your mouth and in your that is, the word of faith which we preach. Wow. That's how much you and I should have God's word deposited us in us. We should be filled with the word of God in us so that whenever we are in a battle or we're under attack, the enemy of our souls, that the word of God is there inside of us to come out, open our mouth, we don't have to pick up a sword. But God should be in us. Again, I repeat to you, Deuteronomy that Jesus quoted again in in, in John. No, I'm sorry. All the apostle quoted in Romans. The word very near you, Deuteronomy now, in your mouth, in your heart, that you may do it. And then Paul says to the church at Rome, the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith. I could go on and on about, about the great importance of using the word of God in our lives. Remember, the English word is used as an acronym for the word Bible stands for Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. Bible, B-I-B-L-E-B, Basic. I, instruction, B, before, L, leaving, E, earth, basic instruction before leaving earth. However, tonight, we're specifically zeroing in on using the word of God as a powerful weapon against the enemy when engaged in a battle with him, remembering that the battle is not yours, beloved, but it's the Lord's what he said when he was speaking to his prophet second chronicles chapter twenty and the the last part of verse fifteen and I'm gonna read specifically that last latter part of verse fifteen second chronicles chapter twenty do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. And I remember I dealt with Second Chronicles chapter 20 last week when we spoke about praise being a powerful weapon that God allows his children to use. If you remember the story, The children of Israel never had to fight in that battle when they were surrounded by three enemy armies. They never had to raise a hand or strike a blow. All they had to do, particular battle, was send the praisers and the worshipers before them because that's what God told them to do. And what happened As a result of that, they won the battle by the grace of God because they obeyed God and they praised him and worshipped him and sang and honored him and lifted up and magnified his holy name. But the second weapon that we dealt with tonight is God's holy word. And again, I can never say this enough. The word of God is living And powerful Sharper Than any two-edged sword Piercing Even to the division Of soul and spirit And of joints and marrow It is a discerner of the thoughts And the intents of the heart Listen When you and I Use the word of God. And we, instead of using our own intellect, using our own words to try to come up with some kind of response to the enemy when he comes in to harass us, to torment us, it is the word of God that we need to be using, just like Jesus used it. For instance, if you are being attacked in your body and the devil is surrounding you and all his demon imps are trying to tell you, you're never going to make it. You know what the doctor said. You need to listen to the doctor. Forget about listening to the, no, you need to get into the word of God in a case like that and read all of the healing scriptures. I just did that recently. I was literally, I kid you not run over By a van that weighed at least a couple of tons. So we're talking about a heavy commercial van that literally ran over my legs. This is for real. This just happened on December the 12th, 2022. I mean, how can that be that my My legs are not broken. My feet are not broken. How can that be? I remember being underneath of that van, crying out to God and believing God for a miracle. I said to God while I was still underneath the van, I need a miracle. I need a miracle. I need a miracle. And let me tell you that God in his mercy and his grace, his loving kindness gave me a tremendous miracle I am walking today by the grace of God and none of my bones were broken how can that be only God but then in the weeks after of course I was in tremendous pain because even though my bones were not broken of course the inner tissues and the muscles were injured greatly. But I began to quote from the word of God and the healing scriptures that I found throughout God's word. The Old Testament, the New Testament, the Old Testament. He was wounded, Isaiah 53, for my transgressions. He was bruised from my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace has been laid upon his back and by his stripes I am healed. And I read those and so many, 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 many more healing scriptures. And I'm telling you today, by the grace of God, even though I'm still healing, I'm whole. I can walk by the grace of God. Now I'm healing from all of the trauma that I endured by, by seeing the van coming and running me over. And I know God is healing my mind from that. He's healing my daughter's mind because she was involved in it too. We were pedestrians. We were not driving in a car. We were just walking the street, crossing it, and we had the, the green light. But these things happen. But how, how, how do we overcome? By the word of God. If the, if the devil is trying to attack you in your mind, then you need to find the scriptures that deal with the mind. Like the one that says, I will keep him in perfect peace. And I quoted that last. Well, mind is stayed on me. Isaiah. We need to get these scriptures inside of us. The word of God is in us. We need to get it in us and then we, we'll be able to use the word of God when the enemy is trying to distract us, when he's trying to turn us around, when he's trying to defeat us. If, if you're dealing with a lot of unsaved relatives and loved ones, believe the word of God that you and your household will be saved out of Acts, the book of Acts. Use the word as a weapon. Heavenly Father, I pray for every man and woman that's listening to the broadcast tonight. God, let them use your word as the tremendous weapon that it is to defeat enemy and his wicked schemes. Let them not engage him in conversation, but let them just use the word of God to defeat him. Every time, in Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you real good. This is your sister, Pearl. The Lord loves you so very much. He loves you the most. He will never stop loving you. But I just want you to know that I love you, and all of us at Reaching Out Radio International, we love you, we pray for you, we bless you. May you stay close to Jesus until we meet again. Next Sunday night, same time, same place. God bless you. Bye-bye.